You're listening to All the Books, a weekly show of recommendations and enthusiasm regarding the week's new book releases. This is episode 141, and today we are talking about books being released on January 16th, 2018, and more. I'm Liberty Hardy, here with my fellow well-redhead, Rebecca Shinsky, and we're coming to you from bookriot.com. Hi, it's been so long since we did this. I know, like... (laughs) It has. We recorded our our preview show like the third week of December. So yeah, it's been, it's a, been like a month. That's crazy. I know. I was I did the book riot show with Jeff on Thursday last week, and I was like, I don't know that I've gone three weeks. And it was like I had completely forgotten how to do things. Like <laughs> I didn't have the sponsors in the document. I f- was having trouble talking. It was like I don't think I've gone three weeks without podcasting in my entire podcast life it was I mean it was nice to have a break but I missed you it's because you were so relaxed it's true I did get very relaxed (laughs) I'm I'm still rolling on the mellow from uh from the hot like from my birthday and then the holidays and then I just got back from Mexico so yeah I, I have some new freckles and a lot of deep mellow and you've started a new tradition actually reading books on your vacation or maybe like (laughs) returning to the original tradition because it has been like for I don't know five or six years now I've packed books on vacation and then I just get so zen that I can't bring myself to read them but um I I think sitting on a beach in Mexico for a week is a good time to tap into the reading again um at least until I've had enough margaritas that reading becomes challenging um so I did actually like I read three and a half books um during our trip we had five full days there and that's a pretty good rate for me we did some activities too and then I finished a book on the plane so I felt great about it I read um the lost girls of camp forevermore by Kim Fu so good I loved it so much and it's like that was a perfect book to read on vacation Um, that comes out in a couple of months I read that Kind of Mother by Ruman Alam, which I've really been looking forward to. I loved Rich and Pretty. And that was a great, like I knew it would be a great vacation book. Um, and I just tore through it. And I went back and started over with Call Me By Your Name by Andre Achiman because I had started reading it uh, when the movie was coming out. And I talked about it on an episode of the show when I was like in the middle of it. And then I got sidetracked with yoga training and didn't finish it. So I went back and started it over and read it from the beginning. Um, and I loved it. And then I read Fire Sermon by Jamie Quattro, which I'm going to talk about on one of our segments today. But it was great to be like, in the reading groove and yeah yeah I'm really happy about that I watched some silly movies on the flights um but it was nice to be reading again and I made it back I was telling you before the show that Bob was joking with me uh, at dinner tonight we're recording in the evening which we don't normally do um that he thought maybe I should take I should just keep taking the week off and that he would come on the show with you for an hour and you guys could like talk about cats and books and tattoos and stuff that would have been okay I, I yeah. could roll with that I would love to listen to that show maybe we should do that sometime <laughs> maybe we'll make an episode for your next birthday <laughs> yes you and Bob talking about things yeah fact checking <laughs> oh that's kind of terrifying <laughs> My, uh, uh, <laughs> well how about I, something less scary how about I tell you about, about books books I would love for you to tell me about books let's do this I feel like I've been hearing about this book forever I can't believe it's actually out now my first pick is love hate and other filters by Samira Ahmed 
It is a wildly important debut young adult novel. So fantastic. It's about a 17-year-old Indian-American Muslim teen. Her name is Maya. Um, Going into spring break, her biggest problems were basically college and boys. Uh, She is obsessed with filmmaking. She wants to be a filmmaker. She loves movies. Um, Her parents want her to be either a doctor or a lawyer. They want her to go to school in Chicago near where they live. Um, They want her to marry an, you know, Indian-American Muslim teen. And she wants to go to school at NYU because it's one of the best film schools. And she has a crush on a boy who does not fit her parents' idea of, you know, her perfect marriage mate. So she's kind of, you know, like, she's talking to her aunt, she's talking to her friends, like, these are the things, like, what is she going to do? She's actually gotten into NYU, but she hasn't told her parents because she's afraid they're going to say no. So these are, like, her problems, like, school and boys, and, you know, she's doing the normal teen stuff, but then there is a terrorist attack in the U.S. uh, a few hundred miles away from, from where they live, and the perpetrator is a Muslim man, so it changes everything in her life, like, in an instant Um, She becomes the target of harassment at her school. Um, She gets bullied because she has the same name, the same last name as the the suspect, even though they're from different countries. Um, Her family is threatened. They get death threats. And now her parents don't want her to go away to school like anywhere. They want her to go to school right there um, where they can watch over her and keep her safe, they think. And um, it, and it just changes everything in her life just like that. And now she must decide, you know, for herself, like, what is she going to do? Is she going to go against her parents' wishes? Is, are her parents correct? Like, what is the right thing to do? It's very timely, very important, but also it's, it's very funny. Like the first half of the book is just her, you know, like going out on dates with these two guys and like having her first kiss and, you know, just making funny talk with her friends, and it's it's really great, you know, and, and it's just like life, like, just like that, and an instant things, you know, change. Um, and, you know, it's been a long time since I was a teenager, but, you know, it seems very realistic. Sometimes I read books, young adult novels, and I'm like, do kids really talk like that? Like, <laughs> like I... Is everyone as witty as the Gilmore Girls? <laughs> yeah, like, I'm not really sure, but this is, like, seems, it rang very true to me. Like, not just the teen situations, but, like, the whole book itself. It seems very plausible and it, like I said it's very important so again it's called love hate and other filters and it's by Samira Ahmed oh man I'm so glad that that one's out and big shouts to our friend Eric Smith who is her Eric. agent yes I think he's at her launch this evening which is oh cute. that's gonna be a good party yeah Uh, My first pick this week is called Stalking God, My Unorthodox Search for Something to Believe in by Anjali Kumar. Uh, This is an awesome memoir uh, that's like, it's not a stunt memoir because it's earnest, the thing that she's doing. Uh, But when her daughter was born, Anjali Kumar, who had been raised in the Jain religion, which is a relatively obscure sect, I believe, of Hinduism, um, or maybe it's its own thing. I will need to research that. But it is a relatively small and obscure sect she uh, she notes in the book. Um, but she sort of moved away from the practice. Her husband was Hindu. And now that she had a child, she starts wrestling with like, what am I going to tell my daughter when she starts asking me the big questions? You know, why are we here? What's the meaning of life? Is there a God? What happens after you die? Um, and so she um, gives, she's a lawyer. She had been um, counsel for Google. She's like very fancy, intelligent, ambitious lady, um, gives herself a year to find like a spiritual home, a spiritual practice that is a good fit for her. Um, and so she sets out and does 
a bunch of things looking to find, you know, enlightenment or a connection to something that feels like God um, and a community that she can participate in and have all of those things that people go to religions for. Um, so she, and she does a bunch of stuff. She tries, um, she tries a five-day mindfulness meditation workshop that's totally silent. She goes to Burning Man. She goes to the jungle in Brazil to a, a healer named John of God. She goes to uh, try ayahuasca, which is supposed to give you um, like visions and open your mind to higher consciousness. She goes to a sort of prophet faith healer who hugs you and is just supposed to make you feel good. She goes to a Wiccan group and... Uh, she, this takes much longer than a year. Like it, she, she goes to a soul cycle class and realizes like, Oh, this might actually take me longer than a year. Maybe I should uh, figure out or, you know, try not to figure out how long it takes, but just let the process unfold and sort of keep seeking and keep asking questions. And this is just a really lovely, honest memoir about the things that she is searching for, why these questions matter so much to her, but really they're questions that I think are just part of the human condition that we all wonder about. Um, and the kinds of answers that she comes to that aren't concrete answers, but that are useful for her in understanding what her spirituality is supposed to be for herself um, and accepting the lack of concrete answers that she ends up finding. But also she finds sort of it really enlightening and awakening moments in unexpected places. Like she's very suspicious. She's a pretty like self-admitted uptight person, but she has this unexpected realization while she's at Burning Man. Um, and so she's sort of on this pilgrimage for several years, just going to places, trying to be as open-minded as possible, trying to find a spiritual home um, and something that helps her make sense of the world. And it's just great. It's like she and like she's funny and self-deprecating. It's kind of like if Mary Roach went on a hunt for religion. Um, and I just appreciated how forthright she was about this. People can be so squicky um, talking about religion or talking about spiritual practices. Oh, she goes to she participates on Skype within a laughing yoga class, which is a thing I hadn't heard of before. But like you do different kinds of laughter and it eventually moves from feeling forced to being genuine laughter and, you know, laughter makes us feel good and okay. Um, but she, you know, goes into what, why she's searching for this and that sort of hole inside herself that she's hoping to fill with these things. And then all the things about herself that she has to face in the process. Like you're going on a five day silent meditation retreat. You're going to have to be alone in your own head a whole lot. And how scary that was for her. Um, really interesting, really fun, um, books about, faith and spirituality can often take themselves too seriously. And this doesn't do that at all. I think if you're sitting here at the beginning of a new year and you're thinking about trying to find some answers for yourself, you won't get the answers from this book, but you'll sort of get a companion along the path. Um, so it's Stalking God by Anjali Kumar. Excellent. Yes. I've actually, I've heard of laughter therapy, like which I'm oh. assuming is like the same thing. Um, but I don't know if I heard it in real life or if I read about it in a novel. So now I don't know. <laughs> that happens to me a lot. I don't know if it's real. Moving on, I will tell you about our first sponsor, one of our Please favorite do. people. Yes. This week we are sponsored by Noman by Nick Harkaway. It's out now from Knopf. Um, first of all, I had, as soon as I heard about what the book was titled, I had to look up what Nomen was to see if it's a real word. It is. Did you, did you know what it was? I had, I no... did not know what it was. I, I'm so glad that you up. have answers. Yes. It's the projecting piece on a sundial that shows the time by the position of its shadow. Oh. 
It's like, because I, I was like, maybe you just made it up, but it's an actual real word. Um, of and course, let Nick me Hargaway tell knows you this thing. Book. Yes. <laughs> okay. Acclaimed author Nick Hargaway presents a near future high tech novel that is equal parts dark comedy, detective story, and mind bending philosophical puzzle. The system has created the safest society in history by monitoring all citizens' thoughts and memories. So when a woman dies in government custody, the first person killed during an interrogation, Inspector Maliki Neath is assigned to find out what went wrong. What she uncovers in the woman's tangled memories will have staggering consequences that will reverberate throughout the world. A dazzling achievement, Noman is profound, captivating, and irreverent. A story of matchless wit infused with a deep humanity. And they are not kidding when they say matchless wit. I mean, the man is so smart. And he always puts, like, puzzles and stuff in his books. I remember sitting at BEA um, trying to cheat because there was a puzzle on the cover of Angel Maker. And they had flashed a photo of it on the screen during a lecture about upcoming books. And I took a a picture of it with my phone and tried to, like, figure out what it said. And I, I couldn't do it. I still have not been able to break that code. Um, he's just, he's amazing. And I remember when we used to write our Well Redheads column, we had to be like, we have to stop talking about Nick Harkaway because we, we bring him up like every single time. Like, he has like a permanent jersey on the wall uh, here. He's just amazing. And Jen is interviewing him tomorrow at Word for the launch of his, his U.S. launch. Um, because he's here in the States doing a tour, which is exciting. Uh, so uh, if you haven't caught on already, he's amazing. His new book is called Nomen. And it's out now wherever books are sold. We will have a link to it in the show notes. And A plus. It's still my turn to talk about books. Keep going, girl. You're doing All it. All right. Uh, this book is phenomenal. And if you are really excited about the upcoming season of The Handmaid's Tale, this is the perfect thing to read in between. Ooh. New book is called Red Clocks by Lenny Zumas. She's fantastic. Um, I am completely forgetting the book that I loved that she wrote. Now, I've forgotten the title. came out from Tin House. It'll come to me. Um, this one takes place in Oregon. It's the future. There is a new president, and he has undone women's rights. He's basically just undone everything, you know, for women. Um, abortion is now illegal in all 50 states. Um, performing or seeking an abortion will get you jailed. Um, miscarriages, people, well, women who suffer miscarriages must now hold funerals and pay for for all these things uh, to go along with it. Um, in vitro fertilization has been banned because eggs have been given rights and because they cannot consent to where they are going, like which parents they end up with. It's no longer allowed. Adoption is now handled by the government and it is available only to married couples, a man and a woman. And artificial insemination is the only alternative for women who want to have children um, who don't have a partner or having trouble conceiving. And it is the, that is the case for one of the five women in this book. It's the stories of these five women. Um, they all have, like, actual names, but each chapter is listed by their, their occupation or their... Um, something about their life, so I'm kind of, I'm going to refer to them like that. Um, the woman who is trying to become pregnant through artificial insemination is the biographer. She is currently writing a biography of an ice expert, this woman in history a hundred something years ago. An ice expert was someone who would go on the ship and could tell, like, what ice is going to do, like, what looks, like, like, damaged, what looks like they could pass through it, because it could ruin a boat, you know, if they do it incorrectly. Um, so the biographer is teaching high school, and she's writing this book about the ice expert. One of her students is the teenager um, who finds herself pregnant, and she doesn't know what to do. 
she is a student of the biographer, and she's also the babysitter for the wife, who is a woman who has two kids. She's unhappy in her marriage. Her life is falling apart. Um, and then there is the mender. She is a woman who lives in the woods. She's an herbalist. Um, she lives alone. She's a little strange. Um, she becomes the subject of a witch hunt, like in the correct term, not in the term that everyone's using on social media now. Um, and this witch hunt brings all of their lives together. Uh, this is like a 21st century handmaid's tale. It, you know, Zumas is a tremendous, tremendous writer. I love the chapters are each, you know, very small and they go back and forth in all their different voices. Um, except for the ice expert, you get to hear like what the biographer is writing about her. It's very timely. It's very thought provoking. And it's, it's just a very thought-provoking novel about frightening times. Um, so, like I said, if you're waiting for the new season of Handmaid's Tale or you just want to, you know, think a lot, this is the book for you. It is Red Clocks, and it's by Lenny Zumas. It's the listeners that you loved by Thank her. you. <sighs> you're welcome. I, I went like, to the I Google machine. <laughs> I was like, I can see the cover. There's like an octopus. And <laughs> but it just wasn't, it wasn't happening for me. Yeah, that happened over, oh, just yesterday. So Bob's um, practice does client appreciation events like once a quarter. And they had one yesterday at the Fine Arts Museum here in Richmond. And my job at these, you know, if you have to go to like networking things with your spouse, you know, is to like be charming to strangers that your partner relies on for their livelihood. And um, somebody at my table yesterday was like, oh, and Bob said you do things with books. What are some good books that came out lately? And I was like, <laughs> uh... <laughs> like oh they pay me for this but if I don't have a spreadsheet I'm completely useless <laughs> yes that happens at least it yeah. wasn't like Bob says you do things with books and you're like who's Bob right. <laughs> who I'm sorry what <laughs> I'm gonna be out of town during the next <laughs> event and we were joking that he should like he and Amanda are pals and we were joking that he should take Amanda with him and not say anything about it and just watch people be like I didn't know that's what your wife looked like. <laughs> she was like much paler and she had red hair last time. I don't know. <laughs> um, how about I tell you about my next pick this week? Yes, please. Uh, it is So You Want to Talk About Race by Ijeoma Oluo. Um, feels especially pertinent to be talking about this while we're recording on Martin Luther King Day. Um, if you do not know Ijeoma Oluo's name now, uh, you are certainly going to. I think this is the beginning of a an awesome book publishing career. She's been writing online for several years. I've been following her for years on Twitter. She writes about race and feminism, intersectionality. She's also very funny. Um, but this is a book that is, I, I mean, it's what the title says. It's so you want to talk about race. I think whether you are a veteran of dealing with racial issues and conversations or the last couple of years, as for many of us, have spurred you to try to have the difficult conversations that you previously would have just sort of let go. Um, she jumps right into like, here's maybe why to not let your aunt's racist joke go at Thanksgiving. Um, and here's how to have that conversation in a way that's productive. Um, how do you know if something is about race? How do you talk about racism? Um, how, like if your coworker makes a racist joke or a racist comment, how do you connect that back to systems of racism and oppression rather than making it just about, you know, trying to like change the heart and mind of the one person uh, who was being racist 
in the moment. She explains intersectionality. She goes, uh, there's a chapter on what, ha- like, what do I do if I talk about race wrong? Like this fear people have that if they screw up, it's just going to all be over and how to try to approach the discussion open-mindedly and take feedback. If you, if you are told that the way that you did something as a, like, as a person who's not a person of color, um, if you're given feedback that you didn't handle this very well, then listen to that and try to move forward. Um, I've found, I found it, you know, very insightful. She clarifies a lot of things. It's very clearly written. Um, it's not judgmental. Like there's a definite point and perspective to this book, but this is very much intended for like wherever you are on the path of, uh, wrestling with how you think about race, wrestling with how you talk to other people about race, um, at trying to be, if you are a white person, trying to be a good ally to people of color. Um, she wants to sort of meet you there and give you tools and ways to talk about things and information and, uh, and just a, just a ton of information, a way to move forward. And interwoven through it all are stories and memoir kind of essays from her own life. So you know who this person is and the experiences that she's had that she's bringing now to this expertise and to the conversation. Um, it's really well written. It's fun to read. Like for a book about such a heavy topic, it is a fun to read book. Um, it's compelling and I really like when an author levels with readers without talking down to them or expecting readers to come in with just a ton of background information. She does a great job of just laying it all out. Um, so again, that's So You Want to Talk About Race. It's by Ijeoma Oluwo. I really want to read that. It's great. I couldn't get my hands on it. I feel like we should have all just been airlifted a copy of it maybe, I don't know, a year and a half ago, <laughs> if yeah. not before. Um, but it's a real, you know, I think people have really felt a call to action and have wrestled around with what do you, like, I want to do something, but I don't know how to start. This is a really great book for that. Fantastic. Yes. What's next for you? So my, oh, okay, here we go. <laughs> So my next book, I'm going to talk about it, and I'm, yeah, okay, I'm just going to talk about it. Um, so, <laughs> I'm worried now. So my next book is The Largesse of the Sea Maiden, Stories by Dennis Johnson. And oh. as I've mentioned before, um, he was one of my favorite writers. He died in March of last year. And normally, a new Dennis Johnson book would have me reading it the second it arrived at my house, but this one, I received it several months ago, and I was like, I'm not ready to read this. And it turns out that I was not ready to read it until this weekend when I mm. needed to read it for the show. Um, and so, here, I'm going to tell you about it now. Oh, no. Just uh, imagine I'm holding your hand. <laughs> yeah, like I said, he's one, he's one of my favorite writers. I don't know. He's an NBA winner. He was a Pulitzer Prize finalist. Um, and these are his last five stories, which, according to the book, uh, he finished or right before he died. Um... The title story is about an ad man who is talking about his life in a series of vignettes. Uh, there's a story about an addict in a rehab facility who is writing letters to everyone uh, that he doesn't intend to send to his parents, to his counselors, to Jesus, to the devil, um, just everyone who's been in his life. There's one um, that takes place in a men's prison. Uh, there's one about a writer who is discussing the lives of two older men that he knows who have passed away. Um, and the last story is about a writing professor who has a brilliant poetry student who is obsessed 
with Elvis Presley. He has a conspiracy theory about Elvis <laughs> that he is set on proving. This is probably my favorite story of the People bunch. have conspiracy theories about Elvis? <laughs> yes, it's true. But um, what I did learn from this, because it all rang so true that um, I did discover in reading the story, I looked it up, um, there was a thing where a few days after Elvis Presley died, a group of men tried to rob his grave. They were caught, and what happened was his fa- Elvis's father, who was still alive at the time, he said, "This it's not safe for Elvis to be out in the general cemetery. We want him buried at Graceland. Um, and what it turned out was that Elvis Presley's father had paid these men to carry out this grave robbing because he had wanted Elvis buried at Graceland all along, and the town said, no, you can't. He has to be buried in a, a graveyard with everyone else. Um, so he got what he wanted, and like forty years later, one of the guys involved like said, "Hey, we did this." Um, <gasps> it's just it's so it was so interesting. Anyway, it's getting you know that's wild. outside, but um, so a lot of these stories are kind of a continuation of the stories in Jesus's Son, which is probably his most famous work. Um, it the and a couple of these characters are from a play, if I'm remembering correctly, that he did a couple years ago, and. You know, he, like, I find, and of course, you know, stories are subjective and you take away what you take away from them. I find, you know, that his stories are not hopeful. Um, Dennis Johnson was married three times. He was a hardcore alcohol and drug addict for a good amount of his life. Um, And he writes these stories about screw-ups and the terrible things that happened to them. And... They're, I don't find them to be full of hope, but in that, I find them to be hopeful because everyone has screw-ups and hard times, mm-hmm. and, and they just ring so true to me that, you know, I just I just absolutely love them. Um, I'm going to stop talking about it, I swear, but I did want to point out, this just got me really hard because uh, in one of the stories, one of the characters is, is uh, writing to someone else, and he says, the world keeps turning. It's plain to you that at the time I write this, I'm not dead. But maybe by the time you read it. Oh. So, I'm just going to end there. Anyway, they're beautiful, and it's called The Largest of the Sea Maiden Stories by Dennis Johnson. Oh, kitten. That's all right. Would you like me to tell you about our next sponsor? You can collect yourself. (laughs) What is it? Like, what's funnier than boobs? (laughs) Speaking of collecting yourself. Oh, Um, we're sponsored this week by our good friends at Third Love. When it comes to bra shopping, it's all about finding the right fit for you. And there's only one lingerie brand that offers bras in sizes double A through G and signature half cup sizes. And that, of course, is Third Love. They use thousands of real women's measurements to create bras that fit better and they feel great. They're made with super smoothing memory foam. It's not like getting into a mattress but the cups mold to your body rather than you molding yourself to them, which if you are a person who has ever worn a bra, you know that that is just not fun. Um, Most old school bra bands only carry 15 bra bands brands bra brands there we go only get that is hard to say now i'm coming up with names for bra bands right now (laughs) while we're sitting here carry on (laughs) something something and the boulder holders (laughs) 
Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so most old school bra brands only carry 15 sizes, but Third Love has 60 sizes, and that includes the half cups. If you haven't heard of half cup sizes, that's because no one else does it. And this is like, if you're between an A and a B, you can get an A and a half. Or if you're between a B and a C, you can get a B and a half. And that's awesome because bodies come in all shapes and sizes, and they definitely don't all fit into those 15 sizes that most of the old school brands carry. Third Love knows that there should be a perfect bra for everyone. They can make a perfect bra for everyone. And so right now they're offering our listeners 15% off your first order. To find the bra that you've been waiting for, all you need to do is answer a couple questions from their Fit Finder quiz. It'll take you literally a minute. You can do it from the comfort of your home. You'll never have to have that awkward fitting room experience again. You know what I'm talking about. So just try Third Love. It's comfortable. You might even forget that you're wearing it. And if you don't agree, you can return or exchange for free. Super easy. So this year, you know, make the change, start the year as you intend to go on with your girls collected and fitting well. Uh, go to thirdlove.com slash books to find your perfect fitting bra and get 15% off your first purchase. That's thirdlove.com slash books. Well, all right. Okay, I have no segue into this book. It like melted my face off. <laughs> it is fire. What? And huh? that's not just because there's fire. I in- was just trying to come up with something to go with that. <laughs> Oh, man. Okay, so it's Fire Sermon by Jamie Quattro. This came out last week on January 9th. I loved Jamie Quattro's short story collection, I Want to Show You More, when it came out several years ago. I am on the record as saying that the book was so good that I wanted to lick it, um, and I stand by that. This is her first novel. It's about a woman named Maggie who's in her mid-40s. She's been married to her husband for about 20 years, um, She and she's like completely devoted to this life that they have, but she begins an email exchange. It starts off platonic um, with a writer. Maggie's background is in theology and sort of like theology, philosophy kinds of things, she emails a writer uh, who's in her same field and he's slightly older and they start up this email exchange that becomes more than a professional email exchange. Um, and it becomes like it, it, you see in the book the transition between uh, friendly emails and then flirtation and then like outright erotic messages. And she wrestles with what's going on with him. You know, it's kind of a midlife crisis setup, right? Like 45-year-old woman who's been married for a couple of decades and has a few kids decides to have an affair. But this is a deep deep plumbing of desire and lust and the constructs of marriage and it's really bold. I think the way that Jamie Quattro puts all of this stuff on the page. It's uncomfortable at times. Um and I think the fact that the character is so like, she's so concerned also about what this means about like her soul, like because she's into theology, one of the things that they're connecting about is their faith and the way that they think about God and the way that they think about meaning. And what does this, like, what does this mean that she has this spiritual feeling connection with this man while she is doing something that uh, she believes to be, very wrong and a betrayal of her husband, but that also feels in some ways the most right thing that she's ever done. Um, it's a really, I think, honest kind of look at this sort of, at, at, you know, at infidelity, like at a thing that um, we don't talk about very honestly because it's frowned upon. 
And I just, it just blew me away. There's, I think it's Freud who said it. And if it's not, it's someone in that school, but um, my brain says it's Freud, said that every question about sex is actually a question about religion. And every question about religion is actually a question about sex. And Jamie Quattro ties those together or looks at the ways in which they are inextricably linked for these characters and then tries to unwind it enough to make sense of what they're doing here about loyalty and really like deep, big questions about morality. It's also just a great read. It's structured really interestingly. There are some killer, killer sentences. Um, But I mean, if you've listened to this show for a while, you know that I love a novel that looks at the complexities of intimate relationships. Um, If you liked Department of Speculation by Jenny Offal, this is kind of going to be in that same vein. This is just, it's so gutsy. I'm so impressed by the guts um, of this book. Again, it's Fire Sermon by Jamie Quattro. Oh, oh, oh. Two oh, things. Two oh. things. <laughs> Jenny Awful has a new novel coming out oh. in the fall, which is exciting. That is very exciting. And also, I googled that sex and religion quote that you mentioned, and it was uh-huh. actually said by Elmo on Sesame Street. <laughs> Dude's well, got layers. He does. That Elmo, he's an <laughs> onion. I didn't. I did not know what you were going to say there, but I was not <laughs> expecting Elmo. I also thought that maybe the second thing might be a punny bra band. <laughs> no, no. I started to think of them, and then I remembered that I was sad, and then I forgot. <laughs> oh, did you see? This is related. I swear. Last week, that the a woman who was the bra fitter to Queen Elizabeth and has a book deal has gotten fired from the job, um, because they're worried that she's like telling Buckingham's. Uh, Buckingham Palace's secrets, but the title of the book is um, "Storm in a D Cup." <laughs> yes, I think it's. I think it's actually already out. She had, I was like, "Oh, mad props for that pun." I appreciate. She's like eighty three. They fired this old lady. Oh, storm in a D Cup. So yeah. All right, <laughs> help me, Liberty. Say yeah. we talk about a book again. Okay, so my last pick this week is "Truly Devious" by Maureen Johnson. Woohoo! I love her. It is a young adult mystery. I need to read more young adult mysteries. Like, I feel like young adult mysteries and nonfiction. There isn't enough of these, and that's my goal to read more of them this year. But she's so fantastic. You might know her from Twitter. She's one of the greatest mm-hmm. Twitterers there is. She's so great. Um, she did the Shade of London series uh, over the last few years, which was about the ghost of Jack the Ripper. And, or possibly he's still alive. Um, and this is a boarding school mystery with a sort of Lindbergh baby type kidnapping at its heart. Um, it takes, it starts off in 1936. It goes back and forth between then and, and present day. Um, the wife and child of millionaire tycoon Albert Ellingham have been kidnapped. Um, and Albert founded the Ellingham Academy in Vermont. It's like this cool school in the middle of nowhere. It's for unusually bright and gifted children. He allows them to attend the school at no cost. He just wants to encourage art and and intellect, and it's really cool. But his wife and child are kidnapped. Um, they live on the grounds. The ransom was paid. They were never returned. Uh, oh. And so the case of the wife and daughter goes unsolved. The only clue was a note that had arrived a few days prior that they didn't take very seriously, like this sort of rhyming note that was signed from Truly Devious. Uh, now, 80 years later, True crime aficionado Stevie Bell is starting her first year at Ellingham Academy. 
Um, you can go there and you can study whatever you want. Like, you want to study video games? Come up with a plan. You can study video games. You can, like, whatever you want. Um, her, she wants to study true crime and her project for the year, because you have to work on something and, and show to show at the end of the year, she's going to solve the Ellingham kidnappings. Like, that's what she thinks she can do. Um, so she starts out, you know, she's excited. She's on the grounds of, you know, where they took place. She's, she's looking at their house and their, their belongings and all this stuff. Um, but they don't get too far into the year before Truly Devious makes another appearance at the school and someone dies. Um, and so now they have that mystery on their hands. Like, could he still, could he or she still be alive? Um, and so now I'm going to tell you something that I wouldn't normally, and it's not going to spoil the book, but it's something that I think you need to know. So if you don't want to know, like, cover your ears for like the next 20 seconds, because I think it's important information that will help you not only decide if you want to read this book, but also like, if you're excited to read this book, as I was, um, it, it'll help, you know, how you approach the book. Um... Nothing is resolved. Like, nothing is resolved. And it's the first in a series, and things don't always get wrapped up. But this is, like, the most hangery of cliffhangers. Like, it's... So if that bothers you, you know, buy the book, set it aside, wait for the next ones, you know, read them all at once. But I was too excited to wait. But it really, like... I've been reading a lot of their reviews online, and a lot of people are very mad about that fact. So I thought it was important that I share that information. Like, if you need things to be wrapped up neatly and resolved, or mostly resolved, then this is not the book to read right now. Um, but you'll be missing out because it's so much fun and so fabulous. And again, it is called Truly Devious, and it's by Maureen Johnson. All right. My last one this week, this is a gonna read soon. It came out on January 9th. I didn't get an early copy of it, but somebody, I think actually maybe one of the listeners of this show was like, hey, Rebecca, have you heard of this book? So I ordered it. It's called Bent, How Yoga Saved My Ass by Anne Clendening. And this is a memoir as you probably guessed from the title, um, Anne Clendening was uh, like this LA hippie girl. She stopped drinking when she was 22 and then she got diagnosed with early onset Parkinson's and uh, now she's a yoga teacher. And the memoir is obviously about how yoga has been a key part of her life um, living with early onset Parkinson's as a person who's much younger than you typically are um, when you are, when you get that kind of diagnosis. Um, so I'm really interested in it. I love um, hearing per people's personal stories about especially their yoga practices, but I think this will be fun to read and interesting to get her perspective. And if you were the one who asked me about that, thank you for pointing me in that direction. So I'm going to pick up Bent soon. I also just think that's a great title. There are some fun uh, yoga book titles lately too. So those are our new books this week. Lib, what are you going to go read now? I am treating myself to some bizarro fiction. Ooh. And I actually consume a lot of bizarro fiction, but do not discuss it much on the show or online. Mostly because, first, I'm looking at my stack of bizarro fiction and I don't see any titles that I can even say out loud. Maybe Bigfoot Cop. Okay, that's one. And uh, Dungeons and Drag Queens. Um, but mostly it's very... It's exactly what it sounds like. It's very strange, wild, out there fiction. And it's usually like very short and it, I love it. Um, and I just got my hands on a copy of Angel Meat Stories by Laura Lee Barr, uh, which comes highly recommended by Josh Mallerman. So I was like, Ooh. yeah. He says, uh, she writes masterpiece fiction. Oh my God, we're witnessing the beginning of a brilliant canon and career. So 
I was like, right on. Um, nice. What are you going to read? I'm going to read the meditations from Marcus Aurelius. Um, it's been on my radar what? for a while. I know. <laughs> And all the listeners collectively sighed at once. No, but I was like, I was like, oh, is that it? I like for a second, I was like, who's that? Is that new? I don't have that galley. <laughs> Incorrect. It's a little old. It's a little old. Um, Marcus, like quotes from the meditations and from Marcus Aurelius have popped up in my life over and over. And like people put them on pretty pictures and share them on Instagram and stuff as inspiration and sort of thoughts about life. But what tipped me over the edge is that I'm on a text list that Kelly Sue DeConnick does um, that it, it originated as like bitches get shit done and you could just sign up for it. And she texts you like inspirational things a couple of times a week. Uh, and very frequently there are quotes from Marcus Aurelius and they usually, you know, hit me in a way that makes sense or that I want to read more. And so I was like, you know, it's the beginning of the year while we're all still inspired to better ourselves. This is the time. So that's, that's I'm just going to stick to his Snapchat account. <laughs> you know, he's very well. I mean, they're very soundbitey at times. He would probably be great on Instagram stories. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, we made it through our first show, and we did. Month. It was a lot of show. It was a lot of show. Thank you to our sponsors, Nomen by Nick Harkaway and Third Love. Go to thirdlove.com/books to get fifteen percent off your first purchase. You can drop us a line at all the books at bookriot.com. If you want to talk to us on Twitter, I'm Rebecca Shinsky, S-C-H-I-N-S-K-Y. Liberty is Miss Liberty. And if you've got a minute, you want to help us kick the year off right, we would love an Apple Podcasts rating or review. And as much as we would love to tell you about more books today, we just don't have the time, but you can read about more titles out now in the show notes at bookriot.com slash all the books, as well as find a link to our weekly new books newsletter. So I'll be back next week with Jen Northington. I'll be asking her all the questions about Nick Harkaway. And maybe if you're lucky, Bob will show up. That would be cool. <laughs> Tell Rebecca stories. Oh, man. The idea of like you and Bob just getting to talk to each other about me is a little bit terrifying, <laughs> but getting to tell the listeners would be, I'm just, I'm going to go need a drink now. <laughs> well, all right. You can do that. All right. And in the meantime. In the meantime. Happy, happy reading. reading.